welcome to the discussion for me with your hosts, Brandy and Christian. If you're looking for a podcast where sisterhood is embodied, you are home. Listen, each week we will open the floor and have raw conversations about relevant and unaddressed topics plaguing our communities. You ready, B? Yes, let's get it. Welcome back to our financial series. Today we have two very special guests. We have one of my favorite, favorite, favorite realtors, Marla Perong. Her professional background is in human resources and legal. She was working at a prestigious law firm in Midtown Manhattan during the tragic, tragic events of 9-11, whereafter she emerged to the palm trees and sunny skies of what? Southern California, which is where she now calls home. As exceptional opportunities presented themselves, she continued to develop herself as a people person in the field of personnel, as well as cultivating an expertise in contracts at the legal department of an internet marketing company. In recent years, she has brought this perfect array of skills to the marketing of high-end residential real estate, where her passion for giving extraordinary service has led to abundant success. We also have Ms. Helen Steele. She sold her first homes in the prosperous suburbs of Boston, where she earned her degree from Northeastern University in graphic arts and visual communication. Since her relocation, she has been building her real estate career in the affluent cities of Los Angeles County. Her passion for real estate and desire to help people drives her to maintain a detailed account of current market inventory and trends in order to properly address her clients' needs and refine their focus. Helen's skills in visual design not only allow her to create dynamic marketing materials, but also enhance her ability to present each property in the best possible light. Together, this dynamic duo, Ms. Helen and Marla, are an unstoppable team with the ambition, skills, tenacity, and personality to optimize the results of any real estate transaction. When you choose Helen and Marla, you are literally getting two leading professionals for the price of one. Please, please, please help me welcome, ping, 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 <laughs> help me welcome both of them to our podcast. Welcome, ladies. Wow, thank you. Uh, thank awesome you. Awesome intro. Thank you, Christian. That was amazing. <laughs> Listen, yes. I, I literally am so excited about today's episode because as we know, um, there's so many rumors out there, you know, everyone's saying, the market's going to crash. And some people are saying, no, this is the perfect time to buy. So I said, you know what? I think we need to bring some knowledgeable people into the mix to kind of dispel some of the rumors and give us facts to help us navigate this real estate field. Mm -hmm. And so one of the first questions that I have for both of you is, can you time the market? Is it possible to time it? Okay, so... Yeah, we're, we're very excited to be here for all this, too, because definitely we're getting questions all the time about, you know, is the market about, is, the, is, there, is this a bubble? Is, is it about to burst? You know, can you call me, you know, when you start seeing all the foreclosures? I got a bunch of people asking me that. Um, and we don't think that it's really possible to time the market, truly. Um, I, 
you know, no one's truly got a crystal ball. Um, and we wanted to preface this with that we're not economists, you know, we're not financial analysts, uh, we're not that at all. We're looking at this from a real estate agent perspective, from what we see in the industry, what we're dealing with. Um, and we think what's behind the question kind of, is it possible to time the market? Kind of the underlying question that, that comes with that is, when is it going to be a good time? You know, are the are the, the home prices going to drop? Uh, are we going to see a bunch of foreclosures? Can I scoop up these properties? You know, I think that's, would you say yeah. that's kind of, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think that's basically everybody's main, you know, uh, inquiry these days, because, you know, we have seen over the last couple, you know, years now, the appreciation of properties has been going up 20%, you know, a year. And it's that is just not sustainable. You know, typically, property values appreciate somewhere between three and 5%. And so this acceleration um, from the values of homes going up so high, I think that's why people are starting to wonder, well, you know, there's got to be a bubble, there's got to be some sort of, you know, change, there's, you know, what is, this isn't, this is definitely isn't going to continue. So, again, I think that the only thing we can um, take away from all of this is that we can study the past 70 years, historically, you know, what has gone on in, you know, real estate and, the only time we really saw a crash was in 2008 and that Marla don't you agree was mainly driven by the banks right 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 and so, and, the, and the real estate and the housing market, market. Yeah, yeah the housing market itself so basically if you look back at all the recessions over the last 70 years or whatever um with the exception of that one in 2008 basically the home values have gone up during those recessions um because of the government doing what they can to stimulate the economy and that sort of thing. Um, so if you look at it, a graph of it, the prices are still going up. Uh, and but what makes it the 2008 one different was like Helen was saying, it was the banking, the lending, um, subprime lending and, and that sort of thing that caused it. So it was the housing market itself and the lending that caused that, that crash. Um, and that's not what's going on right now. So that's why we're not expecting um a big crash in the housing that's what i'm trying to say right because right now that we we don't what's causing sort of this um you know elevated prices and all of that is isn't driven by the housing market it's driven by you know things that have gone on in in our economy with you know the pandemic and all of the shortage of supply and all of that so that's why we don't for because the housing recession before was due to housing this time it's it's not so i think that's the big difference why we don't feel that there's any big bubble with the housing market going to occur Right. And now a big difference is that the average homeowner in uh, L.A. County, let's say, has about 35 to 40 percent equity, whereas back then in 08, uh, people were, you know, kind of underwater. They did not have equity. They were owing more than the house was worth. Uh, so that's why they were walking away. But right now, when you've got the equity, you've got a lot, a lot of equity, you could just sell your house, you know. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Those are great points. And I think, I, I mean, because I think a lot of us, 
are, you know, awaiting that moment. <laughs> and it sounds like it was just an eclipse that happened that just made it where that moment um, allowed for a lot of people to um, to have like a the crash, I guess you would call it. <laughs> um, but to know that, okay, you're not expecting it um, with this in allowing us to see the different factors that play into it. Um, because I think we assume that, oh, it's, it's, you know, the, you know, because of the pandemic, this event, we're thinking, oh, the market has to crash, like it has to. And it's like, no, 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 there's other factors that play into it. So thank you for cl clarifying that for us. Yeah, I think the only difference we'll probably see with real estate because the inventory has been historically low. And over time, you know, families have our population has increased greatly. So there's a lot of high demand for homes. People have been giving, you know, the rate of births has increased. You know, people have larger families. They want to be in homes. But because um, we just haven't been having enough homes and we have so few, everybody's been competing for the same homes, therefore driving the prices up. But what we see probably happening is more, you know, the, the crazy um, bidding wars will probably slow down a bit. There'll be a little less competition and, you know, which will kind of make prices probably more just level off and go back to what we sort of say it normalizing. And I think that's probably what we're going to start to see, but, but certainly we don't see any you know, we're, we're not thinking that there's going to be any big crash or prices are going to, you know, drop really crazy or anything like that. So I think that's, that's kind of what we've all been talking about in our industry and kind of thinking is going to happen. Thank you. So thank you for that uh, clarity, because again, it, it helps our listeners because it helped me just right now. So, <laughs> um, And so also, so when a person, okay, is, is ready to buy, they're ready to get in, um, what would you say are some red flags to look for when purchasing a property? Like when should a person say, okay, this isn't for me? Okay, so that's a great question. And you definitely, we would always recommend that you get um, an inspector, a professional inspection when you're buying a home. Uh, it's not required. It, and let's also differentiate. There's the inspector and there's an inspection and there's the appraisal. Some people confuse those two. The appraisal you, you have to do if you're getting the loan. The inspection is up to you. You do have that inspection period uh, in the beginning when you open escrow. Um, but definitely we would always recommend that you get one and they're going to be the most qualified to point out things that are going to be, you know, is it just cosmetic issue or is it a health and safety issue? And they're going to outline that for you, but we can give you a kind of a general idea of some things that we think uh, could be a concern. You might take extra note to these types of things like um, damp or musty smells, uh, water stains on a ceiling, sloping floors. Um, strong air fresheners. That's an interesting one that we thought to throw in there just because sometimes people or agents uh, might <laughs> things, <laughs> um, you know, they might try to cover up things basically. Um, and, mm -hmm. and that's not to say you shouldn't have a nice smell in the house, a nice scent, you know, for showing that sort of thing. I, I do think you should, but 
um, you can kind of tell if it's overpowering and, you know, they're just trying to cover something up. That's just a side note. Um, also, if there are lots of homes for sale on the street, I might want to, you know, say, hey, what's going on here? Why so many homes for sale? Um, could it be, you know, something with the builder? What did the builder do, you know, with all of these homes? Is everyone having an issue like that? Is it a neighbor, <laughs> you know? Um, also, <laughs> uh, evidence of insect infestation. Um, you kind of want to stay away from that. You can get a termite, you know, inspection when you're during that, uh, in the beginning of your escrow, you can definitely check that out too. Uh, so those are some ideas. How about Helen? Do you yeah, have yeah, else? and a few others might be, you know, if you see certain, you know, pools of water or standing water in the yard, it could be an indication of, you know, improper drainage, or or there could be an indication of a leak somewhere, um, and po possibly doors that don't fully close. You know, it could be an issue with, you know. Um, you know, something with the way the house has been settling. Uh, but certainly, again, we definitely want to stress that you're going to want to uh, hire an inspector uh, to properly diagnose all of these things that may you may consider red flags, because certainly, you know, none of us are, are you know, skilled professionals in this area. And sometimes it could be something very minor that is, is of no concern. And in other cases, it could be something very concerning. So certainly it's always in everyone's best interest to get um, a professional to properly inspect so that you can feel a little more at ease with your purchase and know what you're getting into. That's what we always recommend. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I'll be the first one to say I'm probably a little OCD. So I probably noticed a little bit too much. And that kind of leads me into my next question of, okay, after we've decided that we're ready to buy and we're, we're looking at properties, let's say on our own, what are some of the benefits of having um, a real estate agent? And then can you kind of just briefly explain the difference between like a broker agent they're a real estate agent. I don't even know if that's the correct term, but I keep hearing these words kind of interchangeable and I'm, I'm very confused. So what is the difference between a broker or a broker agent, real estate agent? Like what is the difference? And then what are some of the benefits of having um, representation during a real estate transaction? Oh, that's another great question. Um, Basically, a broker is is a step up from a real estate agent. Usually, brokers are more educated. They have more certifications in the field of real estate. They're the ones who, who have all the real estate agents working under them, and the brokers hold the liability. They have, they have the bit the you know heavy job of you know kind of holding down the fort for all their agents. So they they're the ones who you know, have the most liability on their shoulders. And they've, they've also had to have certain requirements. They've had to work in the field as a real estate agent for a certain number of years. They've had to get extra certifications. They have to hold special bonds. So they are, um, they just have a lot more of the liability. And a lot of times agents, you know, need that, you know, they have to have a broker to work 
four in order to practice real estate as well. So that's that's the main difference. Would you say, Marla? Did I miss anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you did that. Great. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, so, agents, we are agents. Helen and yeah. I are real estate agents, um, and so we're required to work under our supervising real estate broker in California. It might be different in different states, but we are required to do that. Uh, whereas, if you're a broker, you can um, you work for yourself, or you could work under another broker. Um, you know, and, and you can add agents underneath you. So that's pretty much how it worked. I think you said it perfectly, Helen. Okay. <laughs> sure. Uh, benefits of having an agent to represent you, I would say there are numerous. Um, from the beginning with uh, marketing the property for you if you're selling it, right? Um, mm -hmm. Negotiating with the other parties and handling all the dealings with the other party, whether it's the buyer or the seller, the agent, and there's a lot of parties that get involved, escrow, title, um, and we can also help you as far as uh, finding vendors. You might need a handyman, you might need mm -hmm. uh, so many different things. Uh, we're always asked for, do you have a cleaning person? Do you have an inspector? Who do you recommend for this? Um, and we'll just give you a couple different names here. This is, you know, just just as an added thing because we know the area and we've worked with different professionals and we can tell you give you give you our suggestions. Um, and then there's also the paperwork. There's a ton of paperwork, as you know, especially in California when it comes to right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one of the main <laughs> reasons to hire a you know to have an agent working for you is because of the contracts. There's the, the contracts as California is such a litigious state, mm -hmm. there's just so much paperwork and the contracts for real estate are really complicated. And a lot of, you know, buyers and sellers, uh, you know, they need a lot of help working through those contracts and it's in, you know, it helps protect them. It helps protect the investment. Um, and to have a real professional, kind of walk you through all of these and make sure that, you know, you're well protected and understand everything from the contract point of view is huge. And I think that's one of the main reasons why uh, people should definitely work with a real estate agent. Definitely. I agree on that with the contracts. And um, as far as there, there are a lot of timelines too, deadlines, deadlines and that sort of thing in, in the real estate deal. So we can help you uh, stay on track as far as the contingencies. You have to remove the contingency by that date, by that date, by that date. You know, the, the buyer has to get their earnest money in within a couple of days. You've got to make sure that that gets done um, because if these deadlines are missed, then the other party could cancel the contract on you potentially. Um, and there goes your whole deal. So that's why you want to make sure you have someone that um, is helping you out with all of that. Because typically the, you know, someone buying or selling doesn't know any, any of these things like, oh, there's a contingency, there's a, I need to do it by then, you know, so they really need our help with that. We're happy to, you know, stay on track of that, with that. Absolutely. I, yeah. I can say um, firsthand, and um, <laughs> this has been my personal <laughs> experience. I hear a lot of times that people say, oh, you know, I had someone tell me yesterday, well, they sold, they sold a property and they just went straight to the escrow company. Neither one of them are represented. And I'm like, that's great if you have the time. But for the average person, especially if you know you work a traditional nine to five, you need someone to be your eyes and ears. You know, you need mm -hmm. someone to be able to 
fill in the gap and, and you know, check the, as she says, you know, those contingencies and those timelines. And for me, it's, it's always been worth the money. I don't care. I'll pay my little percent because <laughs> it's, mind, it's really the peace of mind knowing that I have someone else that, you know, is looking out for my best interest. So it kind of takes the pressure off for me to feel like I have to be knowledgeable in everything and be on top of it. It allows me to focus on just enjoying the experience. Mm-hmm. And then I leave the more tedious tasks to my faithful, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. We, I, I, love, I love, you know, doing that for people, giving them that peace of mind, you know, don't worry about it. It's okay. That's another thing is kind of, uh real estate people get so emotional and and i understand that it's a huge thing it's your biggest investment and you're buying you're selling whichever one you're doing it's becomes a very emotional stressful process sometimes uh so kind of what what we need to do is be your uh sounding board or the in-between person that's less emotional and tell you hey you know just kind of keep the emotion out of it what I mean, you know, right, right. Kind of have an impartial party that's not, mm -hmm. you know, emotionally attached to any of the Mm -hmm. moving parts in a transaction. So we're able to kind of, you know, keep all of those parts moving in the way they should without getting hiccuped and different things because of all the high flying emotions. And, you know, when you're moving that much amount of money is involved, people tend to get, you know, it's a big stress for people. So if we can kind of be the middleman, men or women, shall I say, and sort of, you know, alleviate that part of it and remove that for the buyer or the seller. And, you know, that is huge, I think, in order to keep every everything on track and moving smoothly. And, and in the end, the ultimate goal is to make sure that everyone's pleased with their experience and that everyone, you know, is happy with what how it all ended up. You know, that's the, that's the best part in the end when everyone feels really good about the whole process. And that's what we're here to help them achieve. Yeah, I I, I kind of equate a real estate agent to it's like a doula for real estate, you know. So it's <laughs> I love like, it. that's so cool. Yeah, it, yeah. So it yeah. really is like you know you're advocating for that person, but also being like you said, the emotional, taking the emotions out, and just getting to the end goal, you know, safely. <laughs> so yes. Yes, that's yes. a great analogy. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. You're you're <laughs> summarizing it very well. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about buying, but how about selling? Do you when when do you do you ever advise your clients not to sell? And then what's the benefits of buying and holding invest investments? We usually don't um ever advise our clients not to sell we definitely feel that is their decision um, based on you know uh, clients have various reasons why they may or may not want to sell at a current time and the way we see it is that if you have a need to sell then you sell if you don't then don't but certainly we would never tell them one way or another um, what to do And the benefits of holding, you know, an investment over time is that, um, first of all, you're, you're building equity in a, you know, 
by holding it as time goes on, the value goes up, it appreciates. And certainly if you hold it, the longer you hold it, what we've always seen is that in the end, you're making more money year after year, as well as if you're holding a property for investment, like a rental property, many people do that. The rental values also mirror the same thing. You can charge more rent. The rental values go up as the home prices too and values go up. So they kind of go hand in hand. So, um, so that's what we see the benefits of investments and holding property is that you're building equity um, and in the end, when you do choose to sell or a lot of people will then say, hey, my property went up, I can pull money out of it, they'll refinance and then they can use that money to either improve the property or pull the money out to do something else with it. So there's so many great benefits for um, owning property and holding on to it as, as it appreciates and builds equity. Yeah, I'm glad you guys, um, I'm glad you kind of shed light on that because I was a part of a Facebook group and, you know, there's a lot of conversation about selling now, right? Everybody has mm -hmm. equity. It's like, should I, should I not? It's like, let's flip a coin. And, you know, there's a few people that have sold. And of course they're expressing um, seller's remorse because what at least they didn't take into consideration is that rentals are very um, hard to come by depending on, you know, your lifestyle and what you're mm -hmm. looking for. And so what you're finding is that a lot of people are either becoming just displaced or they're having to kind of downgrade, you know, their lifestyle because they didn't anticipate that, you know, the rental market would be just as tough to find, you know, something that's comparable to your lifestyle that you're accustomed to as a homeowner. And so when I see, you know, comments like that, I'm like, hey, like there has to be a certain level of personal responsibility in any kind of transaction. It's like, yes, you hire professionals, you know, to give you guidance. However, you're an adult, you know, so at the end of the day, you have to kind of weigh, you know, you have to weigh the benefits based on your your personal decision and what's your end goal. And so I think that that's something that I wanted to kind of just remind our audience on is like, yes, you know, we have professionals in different transactions, but at the end of the day, you have to really sit down and figure out what's important to you. And you have to weigh the pros and the cons because ultimately that transaction is just one piece of your life. You have to live with your decisions long-term. <laughs> Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. yeah. And, and when they're, you know, and they could ask their agent, Hey, what do you think, uh, get a rental and most of them are going to tell you it's not easy to get a rental right now either so you know you brought up a good point with that mm -hmm. absolutely we've seen so, people oh, I'm sorry, sorry. um Helen you remember uh, the one in Burbank that you had seen where people were offering I think to pay for the entire year's rent to try to get because there were so many people lined up to get a, you know a rental in this particular area, uh, they were offering over the monthly amount and to pay in advance the whole year just to get a rental. Yes, wow. yes. I mean, that that was, again, very similar to the housing buying frenzy we were seeing with the multiple offers. It, it was very, it mirrored the same thing with the rentals. And so, you know, again, it's, it's all, as you were saying, it's all a matter of your personal, you know, uh, where you are in your personal 
journey in life and what, whether renting or owning is, you know, you have to make that decision yourself. So I think, um, but either way, we've seen a competitive market in both areas. So um, it all depends on, you know, what you can, I'm sorry, <laughs> what your, you know, what your end goal is, as you were saying. Absolutely. Know? And I think since we're kind of talking along the lines of selling, what fees are negotiable and what's not? I mean, I've heard of commission splits. I, I'll be honest, I don't do that much research. I just rely on my trusted professionals. But um, what fees are negotiable in a real estate transaction? Let's say I, I purchased a property, um, we're in escrow. Is it something that you negotiate beforehand at the beginning of the transaction? Is it something that you can change on the back end once you see, you know, what do they call it, the settlement statement or whatever? Like, I'm not, I don't really know what you can or can't do, but I'm hoping you can shed some light on that. Okay, sure. Um, as far as the loan fees, I don't think that they're that much that's negotiable as far as that from what we've seen and some lenders that we've talked to. Um, as far as commission, so as a buyer, as it stands right now, the buyer doesn't have to pay the real estate agent. It's actually the seller and their contract. Um, the seller is paying the commission for both sides, for the listing agent and for the buyer's agent. So that's a, that's a great benefit of having, we should have pointed that out earlier, actually, <laughs> that um, when you have an agent as a buyer, you're not even, you're not even paying uh, for that. Now, so the commission is in the listing agreement. So it's between the seller and the broker uh, slash agent who represents the broker. Uh, the commission is it's negotiable between the seller and the broker. Um, and then within that contract, it also says that that broker will um, agrees to pay out to the agent slash broker who brings the buyer, who brings the buyer to the transaction. Uh, so hope, hope, did that make sense the way I said it? Yes, oh, yes, yes. Okay, it did, sure. it did. <laughs> and, and as far as, you know, commission and all of that, you know, different brokers may have different requirements for, you know, what, what percentages they'd like their agents to charge, what their company charges. But generally I, there is sort of an industry standard that we all kind of try to, you know, uphold to. So that way everyone's kind of on equal playing field, but certainly it can vary between broker to broker and agent to agent. It, it's all a matter of, you know, who you work for and, and what they expect, but there's, you know, it doesn't vary that much. What we're finding is a lot of people stay within the same range as each other. Um, but there is some flexibility there. Right. Sure. And, and when you have the listing, when you're the listing agent, you're going to, you have that percentage that the seller is paying you. And then typically you're going to split that. You typically split that evenly with the buyer's agent, but not always. So, and that's kind of up to the listing agent and the seller. And right. Offer a, a different percentage to the buyer's agent. Right. Sometimes yeah. if in a market where, you know, it may not be so much of a seller's market. Sometimes the selling agent will incentivize uh, other buyer's agents to bring their buyers along by offering a little slightly higher than normal, you know, commission if they bring a buyer. So it, again, it can vary depending on the market and the brokerage. 
Yep, you took that question right out of my mouth, <laughs> the follow-up question, because I wanted to know, did the, if a buyer's market or a seller's market affected you guys, you know, how you guys got paid out. So you answered that without me having to ask. Oh, right. <laughs> so for our audience, um, some of them haven't purchased their first home and might be in the market to, or looking to buy what would you say are some good wealth building tips as far as real estate? Like, should they be buying? So for me, when I bought my first home, I was just doing what, you know, get the house and um, get the white picket fence and then, you know, and just build equity, right? But in retrospect, I really, really, because I'm a single person, not married, I really wish I would have done like a duplex. And only because I was like, oh, I can see for me, it would produce more income. Um, And so I was like, oh, man, I wish I would have known that, you know, beforehand. Would you guys recommend that or is it more or less the person's desires? Yeah, I would say I would say it's really up to your personal preference. Um, You know, I I would say just to to start out, you just want to acquire whatever you know, what property you can start out by acquiring a property. So, it, uh, and if you can, if you can manage uh, a duplex, you know, money-wise, I, why not? You know, right. as long as you know what's going to go along with it, um, you'd have to keep up on that too. If you're renting it out, what are your, uh, you know, obligations as a landlord and that sort of thing. Um, but I see that could be a great way to earn income. I can see why you would you know, wish, oh, I wish I had done that, you know, because you could get that extra income, definitely. Well, I think also just to speak to that a little more, I think when you're, you say you're looking back in retrospect, I think sometimes that is a great idea. If you can acquire a duplex at the time that you're ready to purchase and it sort of fits your lifestyle. But I do want to also mention though, that duplexes are hard to come by. There's a very limited market and supply of them. So when you do end up, uh, you know, finding them, they tend to go for, you know, a higher price just because of, you know, um, of the limited supply. So, you know, if you have the, you know, enough uh, financial capacity to purchase one when you're first, you know, getting going, that is, that is definitely a great investment to look at. Um, Sometimes your interest rates may vary. They may be slightly higher when you own investment property and there are different, you know, um, fees and and other things attached to buying investment property. So that's something you'd want to go over with a trusted lender. Mm -hmm. Uh, But certainly, I wouldn't rule it out. And, and if anyone is interested in, you know, looking down that road, uh, definitely they should get together with a lender and someone who specializes in uh, these types of properties to really see if that's something that they can do, you know. And then a follow-up question. So for a person that has their property and they're wanting to maybe place an ADU on the property, what would be the steps um, that they would follow in order to do so. Do you guys have any input on that? Well, I think that you really want to start because it's specific to your area. You really want to start out with contacting your you know, local building and safety 
department, you know, LA County building and safety or whichever area you're in, because it will be particular. The zoning might be different. The permits that you need might be different. The whole process. And if you've got to get with an engineer or, you know, anything as far as that, um, it's going to be specific to your area. So you really have to start out with that and, and then they can take you through the whole process. And, uh, and if you check their website, they might have some information there that can lay out the steps for you. Yes, yes. And I think that um, if you are interested in going down that route of, you know, uh, having an ADU on your property, what you want to maybe look for when you're looking at properties is a detached garages are definitely a great uh, conversion to convert into an ADU. A lot of people really want the detached garage because that is a good foundation to work with an architect and your city and building department to come up with the plans and the uh, permits to convert that garage into an ADU. That's an easier one to do rather than starting from, you know, ground zero and building a whole structure. It can save you some money and, and all of that. So that is definitely one thing that people look for when they're buying a home. Um, it's very popular to want to detach garage for those specific purposes. Um, also lot size, you want to look at your lot size when you're purchasing a property to see, uh, again, you have to check with your city, but certainly there are certain lot sizes that will accommodate, you know, ADUs much better and follow within the um, setbacks and lot lines that are required uh, for that. And um, trying to think of anything else that's also helpful. Um, and then certainly, I think a lot of cities have loosened up their restrictions and guidelines for ADUs because it's helping, you know, uh, with the housing shortage in LA, you know, they, they're encouraging people to do this to help with the housing shortage. So in that way, it's a benefit to all of us looking to do that. They've kind of, they used to have really tight restrictions and make it difficult for owners to build ADUs and now that a lot of those restrictions are a lot looser because they are encouraging people to build and have these dwellings on their property. Well, you definitely shed some um, some good light for me because I didn't even think about half of the stuff that you just said. So, great. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that information because at least you have a starting point, right? I mean, you can start one place and then once you get there, then you can get you know in-depth information, especially because there's a lot of moving parts to it, as you say, like you have to think about the engineers and then the coding and, and I mean, zoning, zoning, excuse me, and different things like that. So I'm glad that you brought up those considerations so that our listeners can at least have a, a, a starting point and then they can seek out you know, additional information as needed, depending on their end goals. And I think one of my, um, our last question is, you know, they say California is super expensive, even though I, you know, I'm a California born and bred. Um, <laughs> we hear people, you know, leaving left and right saying market is crazy, gas is $6, you know, they want to buy out of state. Um, maybe now for an income property later on, maybe they'll have it for their future retirement. If someone such as myself is looking to purchase out of state, where do you start? I mean, do you just contact an, a random agent out of state or do you work with maybe an agent in state that may have a relationship 
with someone in the state that you're looking to move to? Or how does that work with purchasing out of state? Damn, yes. The second thing you said was, was yes. right on. <laughs> yes. You nailed it. Your agent <laughs> and, uh, and we can we can refer you to someone um, within our network that you can trust uh, rather than just going online and picking someone random. Uh, we can connect you with someone in that particular city or state, whatever, and, and get you started. We can get you connected and get the whole thing going. We've already we've, we've done that with some people going out to Texas, too. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and the great. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and the great part about that is if you do have a great relationship with an agent in state and they do refer you out. Um, in another state. The great part about that is a lot. what we do is we will make sure that your relationship with that agent out of state is a good match for you. And if it's not, if it, you know, because you don't always gel with everybody. Yep. So what we do is let's say you start down that road with a specific referring agent that we sent you to, and you guys just aren't really, you know, working well together and they aren't really understanding what your goals and needs are, we will certainly then say, okay, well, we'll then reach out and find you another one. So that's always the great part about, you know, starting with someone local that you know, and they can make sure that you get in the right hands and, and kind of make sure that you're happy with that person that you're connecting with in the other states. So certainly, you know, that's the benefit of, of starting, you know, local and then we outsource it and we make sure that you're satisfied with that person on the other end. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Helen and Marla so much for all the tips that you have given myself, Christian, and our listeners. Um, I believe we all have walked away from here with some type of information that we either didn't know before or just giving us more information and giving us direction for our first time home buyers, um, people that are looking to buy and waiting for a crash to the, to the people that are, you know, looking to sell or maybe people that already have property and they're just looking to, to further invest in their property. I just want to thank you for taking your time out today. And I just want to thank you for shedding so much light um, for our listeners Listeners, please, please, please take note, take notes, share with your friends, call your sister girl and tell her she has to listen to this episode so that she can gather some um, ideas as well. Make sure that you share with your friends and subscribe on whatever uh, listening for a uh, platform that you're utilizing. And then also after you share, make sure you follow. We'll put uh, Marla and Helen's information so that you guys can follow them, especially if you guys are in the California area. Make sure you connect, or if you're looking to move to the California area, make sure you connect with them so that they can help you in all of your needs. Again, I thank you, and this has been a great, great episode in our financial series. Thank you so much, Brandy. Thank you so much, Christian, for thinking of us and for having us on. It's, it's been great. Really enjoyed it. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to It's the Discussion from me. Hopefully you are leaving here seen and enlightened. If so, please share, like, and invite others to this safe place. Until next time.